All righty. Welcome, guys. Today we have a very interesting conversation ahead of us because we have a, one of the very first uh, founders and supporters of DeFi here with us, Scott. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, th thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, just a quick background for those joining in that might not know about Chidao and what we do. Uh, we're a stablecoin protocol on Polygon. And what we allow people to do is basically take their tokens and mint stablecoins from those tokens. So you can essentially use your tokens without spending them. Uh, but moving more into Scott, um, I think it'd be interesting for us and for the audience to first get a glimpse at uh, your story and your story coming into crypto. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I had, uh, I guess, about an 11-year uh, traditional finance trading career. Um, started like on the floor of an options exchange um, in Chicago, uh, working for uh, Susquehanna International Group. Um, and then kind of late 2016, early 2017, um, I just randomly found the Augur project, uh, which kind of led me down the Ethereum rabbit hole. And then, uh, you know, like three months later, um, I was splitting my time part-time uh, crypto Ethereum-focused trading and traditional finance and then uh six weeks after that uh canceled my bloomberg terminal and uh was went to the crypto space full-time um started off focusing on like icos and uh, perpetual swaps and then three four months after that started kind of going more and more down like the building um the building rabbit hole um yeah so what was what was that like point? What was the point that you said, you know what, F this, I'm moving over completely? Um well one of the first things I did was uh the Melonport ICO and it seemed like a really cool project and they posted some pretty clear instructions on how to participate in the ICO and it turned out to be an extremely oversubscribed ICO. If you just followed the explicit instructions, you did fine. Um, and so like, it sort of got a sense for like, like there was like a lot happening in the space and it's also a lot of opportunity in the space. Um, and so kind of a combination of that. And then like at that time, BitMEX funding was like over 1% a day. Um, a lot of the times, whether long or short. And so, I don't know. It just seemed like a, like a much more interesting environment, but then also like seemed like a lot of like financial opportunity too. So it kind of made the decision pretty easy. Nice. Yeah. And it's probably very different from now, right? Like today, if you want to learn about DeFi, it's still a little bit elusive, right? To the masses, but there's just so much content out there. So much like so many services for people to like get involved. Yeah. Um, how was that? I guess like on ramping, um, from that perspective? Um, I don't know. It was, it was really fun. I mean, DeFi used to be a lot simpler in that they're like, like now it's like every project is like either has a new primitive, a new design on an existing primitive, or it's like a few different primitives stacked together. Um, and so if you're like thinking about DeFi pre-farming, um, kind of like when DeFi Pulse launched, um, it was more just like tracking the projects and from like a speculate speculative standpoint, the tokens associated with them. Um, and then kind of like last spring, 
um, when like liquidity mining um, started, uh, things got a lot more interesting pretty quickly um, with kind of projects wanting to distribute ownership in the protocols through the community, um, you know, but it was still like, you could know everything that was going on. Um, but now it's just so crazy. Like no one has a complete picture. It's kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Especially Polygon. Like I feel like every day there's like five new projects coming on. Uh, not all of them are the same. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you get a little bit of a varying, varying quality. Uh, but yeah, like it's hard to like keep track of just Polygon, like much less all of the other chains that are like doing cool stuff right now. And so I think it's like, I know it's just like a really, the ecosystem's like expanding like very quickly right now. Yeah. What got you into like other chains or kind of diving into other chains? Um, I mean, I've always sort of, I, I've never really been much for maximalism. Um, I think, but what I have done is I've always focused on like where there were real users and where there were real things being built. And for a long time, if that, like, if you weren't like, obviously there are some great projects that have taken two or three years to build. Um, you know, like if you look at Polkadot, like there's a lot happening there now, but it didn't really exist for most of the history of Polkadot just because they hadn't shipped yet. And so I've always focused on things that were like already shipped and already had users. Um, and so for the longest time, that was just Ethereum. But um, now you're kind of seeing like the Ethereum, like the Ethereum ecosystem really like I'd say Polygon is like a side chain for Ethereum. Um, but you're also seeing things that like aren't as closely connected to Ethereum um, cropping up too, and things that don't even run the EVM. So I don't know. I just go where their users and go where there's like real things being built. Yeah, I think that's something we can definitely uh, uh, agree with here. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, networks coming up, but not all of them have the support that you see kind of like in Polygon, right? Uh, yeah, but I'm, yes, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty big Polygon fan. Oh yeah, me like too. Man. I'm, I'm a big Sandeep fan, so yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we all are. Um, yeah, the fact they can do so much. Uh, yeah, you know, it's incredible. You you think there's hundreds of them, but not really. No, exactly. I, I think uh, later on in the conversation, we'll we'll take a real deep deep dive into uh, Polygon and and the network. But you, sir, have done so many different things. You're involved with so many different uh, different projects, DeFi Pulse, uh, Slingshot, uh, many others. Mm-hmm. Can you? Can you talk a little bit to those, for those who do not know what DeFi Pulse is, what is DeFi Pulse? Um, Yeah. So, so we, before we launched DeFi Pulse, um, we invented a metric called total value locked. Um, We kind of worked on it because at that time um, there were like a lot of DAP tracking and it was focused a lot on gaming um, and the leaderboards for those were very easy to manipulate because um, you had like kind of like high throughput, low decentralization chains with very low transaction costs. Um, it was very cheap to create many, many false accounts um, to rise the to rise up like user count and transaction count based user board, leaderboards. And so 
we wanted a metric for DeFi that was um, nothing is like manipulation, like immune, uh, but it, you can make it expensive to manipulate and make it, that makes it more civil resistant. And so we thought total value locked because you have to actually either a, you have to make people get value from putting the capital in your protocol or you have to pay a lot of money to keep, have people put uh, value in your protocol that's like not doing anything for them. And so like, I think the reason why TVL kind of became kind of the gold standard metric for DeFi isn't because it like is the KPI that tracks each project's like the their personal KPI, but it's the one that's hardest to fake. And so right. it's like kind of imperfect at doing everything, but it's just good at being authentic. Um, as long as like you're calculating it properly and not cheating, which is some people that, yes, yeah. calculating it properly and not cheating as a <laughs> friend, as the grandfather uh, or the godfather of uh, TVL, what is the proper way of calculating um, So it's really, it's assets that are like being put to work. Um, so like, you know, I could make Scott coin and then I could make Scott coin staking contract. And then I could make a pool two for Scott coin where like, you know, buy $20 of it. Each Scott coin is worth a thousand dollars and then print a trillion Scott coins and put them in a staking contract. And now I just like arrived at one quadrillion dollars of TVL. Um, not talking about anyone that's done this super recently and tried to call me out on Twitter after they did it. But, <laughs> um, it's sort of like a, it's, it, it's sort of like completely defeats the purpose. And so like, it's important to draw a distinction between like minting a bunch of your own tokens and putting it in like a governance contract or you're just including your own token in your protocol. Like the uni F pool counts towards Uniswap's uh, TVL. But if there was sort of a governance locking for their DAO for like governance rewards, if they put a protocol fee in there, that would not count towards their TVL. Cause it's like, as it's doing economic work. Right. It's kind of what like, about like, if, uh, if like a project raises money, like um, not in, in the token that, of the DAO, like, I don't know, USDC, for example, does that count as total value locked? So, uh, like protocol controlled value is kind of like an interesting question. Um, it, we, we, we plan to actually be breaking out protocol controlled value, um, as like a separate category in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, if the protocol controlled value is like a treasury, Right. That's just like being spent down or granted. It's not. Um, if the protocol controlled value is doing like actual work in the protocol, then it can be. Okay. That makes sense. Now, oh, yeah. Go, go for it, Ben. Yeah. I just wanted to get a little bit about your motivation for starting DeFi Pulse as well as Slingshot, right? The other very yeah. cool project that we've been following from you, which we'll get into. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, DeFi Pulse, it was really just, um, like MakerDAO was catching like serious, they, they just, they achieved product market fit and were like kind of transitioning from like traction to growth. And a lot of people didn't realize it. 
and they didn't like it wasn't obvious to people why putting up ask to borrow die would have like be something that was in high demand and so we kind of wanted a way for people to understand that and understand that narrative and be able to track what was really happening and so mm -hmm. at that point in time we waited until there is we, we found that we found there's about 10 projects we could list which we thought was enough to like start a leaderboard um yeah and so yeah so it just seemed like a, a good time to like kind of get that story out there cool what else so okay you've got the you've got the leaderboard uh, dive into some of the other things that DeFi pulse does as well as how do y'all make how do y'all make money um well so kind of like uh, our, our flagship product I'd say right now is the DeFi Pulse Index, um, which we kind of like use, uh, kind of what we've learned doing TVL, um, combined with like a methodology, um, to kind of separate out tokens that like you'd be like comfortable, um, holding. And it's not just for quality. Obviously there are some things that kind of address quality. But I'd say there's other like high quality projects with serious traction that aren't in DeFi Pulse Index because the tokens may be kind of like hard to hold um, in in like a in a set. And like one example of that, like you see all the kind of the curve locking wars. They have a very active governance process, and if you have curve um, like convex and yearn kind of duking it out right now, um, it makes sense to like be using that curve um, within the DAO. And so that kind of makes it a bad fit for DeFi Pulse Index, um, which has the the has some constraints about like immediate uh, immediate availability of the tokens and curve governance because they want a lot of alignment with curve holders. Um, that's not really a great fit for an index, in our opinion. And so we sort of like try to separate out what is holdable, what's not holdable. Um, and different things and just kind of create this passive index based on like set rules. Um, and so, yeah, index coop is currently, uh, distributes a product called the DPI token, uh, based on that. Um, and they've also created products for a couple of our other indexes, which is like is an S, like the flexible leverage index, um, which is like a two X S product. Um, and we're hoping to bring to Polygon soon. But, um, yeah, we have a we have a user asking about that. If you have any cross chain plans for the for that, soon TM. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying to the, the index coop is. Uh, yeah, we're trying to figure out our plan um, for forgetting all the coops products uh, active and liquid on Polygon. Perfect. Wow. Um, yeah, I think you know. I th we talked a little bit about DeFi pools. Um, there's another cool thing you're working on right now. It's a slingshot, um, yeah. in a big wave on, on Polygon. A lot of us use it because slick design, very good pricing. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is and what you guys are planning? Um, yeah. So, so slingshot, it's a kind of like a platform for decentralized trading. Um, like one of the, one of like the main features is is kind of like the algo that's aggregating um all, all the liquidity on polygon uh both both public and some private um and kind of also the 
if, if you make like a big trade on slingshot and like check out the transactions a lot of times we'll get like a ton of order splitting um we're really focused on polygon and so our algo is kind of designed for like the low gas environment on polygon um rather than trying to support um every different chain at the same time um then the other kind of cool stuff is uh you get there's like a live block by block charting um, which is pretty cool. And there's, there's kind of like a, there's also a live tape. Um, that's all sort of like in-house, uh, built, built by our engineering team. So you, it's sort of like a analytics platform, um, kind of mixed with the swapping. And then, um, we also have like kind of a really user first perspective. And so maybe you've like some people listening is prior aware of like that there are occasionally kind of hidden fees. Um, and like if right. the price gets better after you send a trade, um, you know, one, one of the larger DEX aggregators, they'll, they'll keep all the positive slippage. So if you want to buy something for a hundred dollars and the price goes on 99, they'll still buy it for $99, but just give it to you for a hundred dollars and keep that dollar on slingshot. You can see your fill percentage right on the trade log. And so, um, like, you know, I, I trade on slingshot a lot and like frequently I'll have over a hundred percent on my fill percentage, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and also, you know, once you see that you can get a better fill, like it's hard to do it. Um, hard to go back to the kind of the old way. Um, but, so, um, so have you, I'm, I'm sure y'all have done some kind of comparisons with a bunch of different, uh, uh, exchanges and all that kind of stuff. What, what have you, like, what have you seen come out of that? Yeah. So, um, so kind of like our, our standard is that like, you know, we want to not just be better than a single DEX, but we also want our price to be better than all the DEXs. Um, and so, uh, kind of like our, our KPI is we take, um, a bunch of the, uh, like the top liquid pairs, um, you know, like West, Westmatic, USDC, DAI, USDT, and kind of the different markets between them. And then we, uh, we just for internal use, we run that versus like a uh, hundred dollar trades, thousand dollar trades, ten thousand dollar trades. I think hundred thousand dollar trades are on there. Don't quote me on that. I, yeah, I think it's those four. Um, and so like then how that creates 80 different like test trades. And so like our last run of those, uh, we were better priced than all of the DEX aggregators on Polygon. On uh, 85%, like 68 out of 80 of those pairs. Um, and, uh, you know, that's like that 85% thing is like something that we're trying to hit consistently. Um, and, you know, we're, uh, yeah, we're hoping to make that better and better over time. Um, but, wow. Yeah, you, you can't argue with that, man. Those are great numbers. Yeah. I, I remember uh, using other exchanges previously and you had to like, you know, figure out which which route was better and kind of manually do it. And even then you didn't really get it. But uh, trades are much, much easier now that I'm, I've been using Slingshot. So great, great yeah. work from you guys. Thanks. Yeah. How big, out of curiosity, how big is the Slingshot team? And how closely do y'all work like DeFi Pulse and Slingshot? Um, so so they're, they're separate entities. Um, yeah. But we, we do collaborate on different stuff from time to time. Um, if there's like a place we can work together, I'll be aggressive about getting the teams to cooperate. Um, the slingshot team, I 
think we're right around 10 now. Um, huh? Yeah, maybe maybe just over 10 with our last hire. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like a pretty deep, pretty deep engineering, uh, pretty deep engineering team. It's led by our uh, Ethereum kind of OG, uh, Zach Cole, um, who's on the protocol side. He previously founded a protocol uh, testing firm called White Block. Um, it's kind of like validate a lot of these uh, different execution environments with their with their testing software and yeah his one of his favorite claims to fame is i think he's involved in like decision go to 64 shards on f2 um talk to him for about three minutes he'll probably tell you about that but um <laughs> no, i'm just messing with him uh he we're, we're pretty close he lives in nashville with me uh here but uh yeah is there a big uh nashville uh blockchain community um it's it, it it's not nobody, um, but um, it, it it's not like huge either. Okay. Um, we just sort of he just kind of coincidentally moved uh, moved here back here from LA, and I was already here, so I don't know. We kind of like uh, cheaper lifestyle, huh? Yeah, you're better than nice. uh, you know. There we go. Not bad. Big capital gains tax in California. Yeah, we wouldn't know anything about those uh, <laughs> those considerations. You know. uh, yeah, not, uh, like t- Tennessee. Tennessee is a nice. Uh, it's it's like one of the states with like no income tax. Um, yeah, and so it's it's nice for that. So Scott, r- real quick question for for some people who, if they're on Slingshot and they're they're looking around and they're trying to find their favorite token, but they but they can't necessarily find it. Is there something that they should be doing? Yeah, uh, well, Slingshot, uh, Slingshot's actually kind of the 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 creator of uh, Ape Mode, um, which is something you can probably should not do it if you're not experienced. It's uh, basically in the background. Slingshot is like looking at like all pools, all tokens. And so if like you really know what you're doing and you want like a completely uncurated zero safety environment um, to aggregate prizes or to, to trade tokens, uh, you can flip slingshot into eight mode. Um, and then basically any token um, that's, you know, not like just launching or whatever, it'll be on there. You want to be really careful uh, that you're checking the token address because, like, you know, like scam tokens are real things. Um, but uh, yeah, our, our our backend will like pick up all that stuff automatically, um, and then then you can trade that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's freaking it's freaking awesome. Like when I when I first saw eight mode, I was like, that is genius. <laughs> that is but yeah, like you want to you'll you'll be forced to agree that you're possible or likely to lose all your money if you make one mistake and we're not going to save you yes. at all. Um, but, you know, for, for people that kind of like have been doing this a while and like you understand the things you need to check and sort of the different different uh, things that can go wrong, mm-hmm. um, it, it's nice. Gotcha. Okay, so... You- I kind of want to. I kind of want to know what the day in the life of Scott Lewis is because you've got you've got DeFi DeFi Pulse that you've got going on, Slingshot, which both both really fantastic, uh, 
great, great projects in the DeFi space. But you also have, if I'm not mistaken, two other things that you're kind of dipping your hands in. Yeah, so so I say my full time job is like um, a group of side projects, um, and sort of like on some stand ups for some of the different projects, like multiple times a week. Um, while not like focusing all my time on any one thing, um, it's sort of a bit of a different lifestyle, um, but it also kind of has some extra advantages because I'll be sort of like plugged in a little bit different spaces. And like um, one thing I like to like do is recruiting. Um, I'm sort of like always have an open position in like every skill set on for like Ethereum or blockchain projects, um, which is kind of good. So like if anyone have good experience, hit me up. Always have jobs. Um, how, how should they hit you up? Uh, Best way. Not Twitter. Okay. Probably find me in a Discord for a project. Um, yeah. Probably, probably find me in a Discord DM. I'm in a lot of, if you can't find me in a Discord server, you're probably not in the right servers. But yeah. um, you're in the, you're in the Cheetah Discord server, so you can find them there. Yeah, that would, that would work. I mainly actually check the Telegram, I think. But yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll get DMs there for sure. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you're saying about recruiting. So you've got a lot of like open positions that, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So like, uh, most of the projects I'm working with have multiple open positions. So like basically any one time, probably have a vacancy in the thing. Um, generally right now focusing on hiring, like, like, uh, like, senior people with kind of experience in a project before. Um, I, I'm not right now, but I am in the future, like looking to set up some stuff so that I can like, uh, hire junior people. It's just a lot more to like filter through and, you know, you can't rely on the body of their work. You like have to do interviews and DD right. and stuff like that. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping to get there so I, I can like get at that part of recruiting. So I think it's like super important. Um, but like right, right now, probably more, more focus just, of the bandwidth so focus on senior roles so, yeah oh gotcha so uh did you want to did you want to kind of dive or, or kind of mention the the other projects that you oh then that um yeah there's one um there, there's this one called code arena spelled uh code four two three and four like arena in lead speak not a hacker but some of the people who helped us out are that um that's if you're a Solidity researcher uh, or, or like Solidity engineer and you want to like, you know, try out auditing a little bit, it's like this competitive series of like the audit lasts a week and there's a prize pool and the prize pool gets distributed to the Coderina wardens um, at, at the end of, not after the judging process concludes. And uh, so projects will put in like 50K, 60K, 80K, 100K prize pools and it's basically like competitive audit. Um, and so if you ever wondered like, hey, like, could I be an auditor? Am I good enough? Uh, if you participate in some of these, you'll just see how you stack up. 
um, versus everyone else in the contest. And then you also be able to kind of like read the judging reports later and you'll see which vulnerabilities you missed um, or like how, which ones you found or which ones you were the only person that found, um, which is probably a pretty good indicator that you're doing something pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. So uh, then um, how would people, how would people get involved with that? And then also um, second question to that, in terms of projects that want to hop on, what's the process there? Of Yeah, so so the process on both of those is just hop in the Discord server. We have one channel that's I want to be a warden. You say, I want to be a warden. And, you know, you get the code, you're the warden. Or, you, you know, you get the you get the badge and then you're a warden from there on out. Um, and then we have another channel. It's I want to be a sponsor. And so one of the differences between kind of code arena audits versus traditional audit, um, they last one week. You get a lot of experts looking at it versus um, it's like a everyone can bring their specialty or what they're, they're they most know about for smart contract security to bear. Um, and and so like it's not it's not like just one or two people looking at it for the set amount of time. Um, yeah. and, uh, it only, it, it's just one week and it's done. And then generally the first open slot, um, can be like two, three, four weeks only, um, because we don't like to schedule too far out in advance. Um, and so kind of like the backlogs just like, you know, shorter than kind of like some of the traditional auditing firms. Yeah. Traditional auditing firms. Oh, that's- We've seen some of those backlogs, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's nuts. What are some notable projects uh, that might have gone through that, uh, that process so far? Uh, some cool ones. Well, Slingshot did it. Uh, oh, we were the first guinea cool. pig. It went pretty well. Um, another project that involved NFTX. Um, their V2 uh, had, a, had a contest done on... Maple Finance is something I'm pretty excited about. Uh, they went through the process. Um, I think uh, Yield, uh, which is a paradigm-backed project, uh, they just completed their contest. And then uh, I know Pools uh, Together is okay, there yeah. possibly next week. Yeah. Yeah, notable names then. It's fun. Yeah. yeah, that does sound like a lot of fun. I yeah. mean... I've been in the hackathon space for a long time. And so I, I kind of know a little bit about uh, competitive, you know, um, coding competitions. And that's... Uh, He's being uh, humble, man. This guy's like a god for like hackathons. You should see him in action. It's nothing like being a godfather of TVL though. There we go. You know, that that is, that is uh, something that's pretty big. I still need to get some context for event organizing from you. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, no yeah, yeah. no. I, I mean, gamifying anything's just awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. no, it, it definitely is. And but before we before you kind of dive into deeper into like the Polygon network and and kind of where you see the trends, DeFi trends happening, um, we've got ETH goals asking when ape mode T-shirt. I, I would second that question. Actually. Yeah. Well, I would third that question because there were ape mode T-shirts given out in Miami. Oh. And oh. I did not get one. I was offered one that was two sizes too small. Send it my way. I'm a small. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we uh, 
we need more of those. Oh, they were really cool. Let me see that. Yeah, they they were really oh cool teachers. The same the our uh, our kind of like head of marketing our, our CMO that does all like the the videos. Um, he also designed like the the shirt, and it's it was awesome. But I did not get one. Oh, oh wait, you got actually one. they did get me a shirt though. Um, to make fun of me. Uh. This is my slingshot shirt from from <laughs> yeah. Miami. I am the so I do a lot of my like protocol design uh, in Excel because that's what I use for like all the time when I was a traditional finance trader. And so they like to make fun of me that I'm a Excel engineer and the top Excel engineer in DeFi. Um, there, there you go. There you yeah, go. it's not a compliment, I but um, <laughs> it's another no kind way. of you know, uh, makes fun of us for. For all the Excel files we have on the device, so <laughs> you can throw it on your Twitter. That's everyone else got name of a T-shirt. I got that. But um, <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that you know soon we'll, we'll have a marketplace. Be, there will be more merch. Okay, cool. Yeah, perfect. Um, hopefully, we can. We've given out some NFTs, and so um, you know, no one on the team has agreed to this. <laughs> and they don't even know I'm suggesting it, but I'm pretty sure we should do some sort of thing where you mail free merch to everyone with slingshot NFTs. Sounds like a good idea, right? What yeah, a great idea. That sounds like all your NFTs. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we'll take a snippet of this and probably make sure. Get in, get <laughs> we will add for, them. For, for suggesting this without talking <laughs> to anyone, but whatever. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. No, it's fine. There, it's, it's, it. it it yeah. seems like y'all have a pretty cool culture, like team culture, at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been good. Um, yeah, Clinton, Clinton, our C, CEO, uh, and both Zach, like, I think they're both pretty good at kind of, like, establishing, like, a good mix of, like, fun and work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just sort of, like, yeah, getting stuff done um, and shipping, like, shipping, but without sort of, like, you know, destroying the team, which it's kind of like, I don't know, not something you want for long-term success. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, happy, happy wife, happy life. I think that also kind of <laughs> yeah. goes for uh, developers as well. So Yeah, happy engineer, happy life. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Um, so... Let's let's dive into let's dive into Polygon. Uh, what are what are some cool? Or I mean, maybe we can just also dive into DeFi in general, and then kind of loop Polygon in in here. But what are some trends that you're seeing right now in the DeFi space that really make you excited? That you know, put a mm. smile on your face. Uh, I think we are, and I think Polygon's leading this because transaction fees are so low. I think we are starting to see the beginnings of like um, a price war for AMM LP fees Um, because for the longest time, you know, uh, kind of Uniswap just Uniswap established like the 0.3% standard and that just like stuck. Um, And, you know, for a lot of traders on centralized exchanges, that's a lot cheaper than what they're paying. But for larger traders, that's a bit more expensive um, and I think you're seeing some price competition um, for LPs, uh, particularly like on Polygon, 
uh, Curve V2, kind of the multi-asset pool, uh, pretty cheap. Um, and then like, yeah, I think that's, it's going to be interesting. Um, and I think that trend will probably accelerate before it slows down. But yeah. I mean, it's good for us. Yeah, I mean, it's good for all traders. Yeah. And then it's also good because we probably, I, I, I think like, uh, I think you easily get to a point where like trading on DEXs is just much cheaper than centralized exchanges. Um, and so it used to just be so much more convenient than trading on centralized exchange um, and more assets. But I, I think if we can also dominate on cost, it's going to be a very compelling value proposition for like all of crypto. Nice. 100%. Okay. Lovely. And so, yeah, that is um, from, from a DeFi, DeFi legend, a little, little insight in where he thinks the uh, trends are going. Now, in terms of what, what challenges are, is the space facing that they really need to overcome in order to, to take that next step or to take the next leap? Hmm. I don't know. There's, That's I mean, there's always kind of the usual thing whenever there's like a new ecosystem, there's like a large mix of like authentic projects and authentic projects. Um, and I think, I mean, it happens anytime when there's like, like sort of like the new, the new really like revolutionary strides that are being made kind of just create copycats that look the same to less sophisticated players. And so you kind of see that cycle always repeated. Um, DeFi has been a little bit better. I think it's filtering the inauthentic projects from the authentic projects, like maybe relative to kind of the pre-Ethereum altcoins and maybe also relative to like the ICO boom in 2017, 2018. Um, but kind of like, keeping that like community meta level filtering process um, good and like keeping it like at a, a sustainable rate is pretty important. Um, I think you kind of maybe saw that filter get degraded on Binance Smart Chain. Um, and sort of like the mix of authenticity to inauthenticity wasn't really at a sustainable level, but you know, that kind of like, can cause a resurgence in the long term, um, as kind of like ecosystems kind of deal with that. And so I, I think definitely like that quality to lack of quality ratios is going to like determine, um, what ecosystems grow sustainably and what sort of like fizzle out, um, cause their users just lost too much money on the inauthentic projects. Oh, what do you look at in a project? Um, like the, the biggest tell for projects is, um, probably marketing. Um, if you go to a page and it's all about how you're going to get rich and it's not about what the hell they're actually doing, that should like set off alarm bells. Um, there's other stuff like, like just cause it's a fork doesn't mean it's authentic. Um, doesn't mean it's inauthentic. Like not all forks are inauthentic. Um, but if there's a lot of original code 
um, that can be kind of like, that means the people that built the project put in a lot of time um, into it, which makes it kind of less likely you'll get rugged. Um, another thing I look for is like, um, just like well thought out UX and UI decisions. Um, because you know, scammers are not very good at UX. And so if you're dealing with a project that has truly terrible UX and it's not original code, like on the solidity level, um, and their marketing to like your greed, probably just leave, you know, um, and so I don't know. There's, there's like just, I don't know, just kind of like doing your due diligence is pretty important. Yeah, I got you. Very important. Um, ben, uh, I know that you have, uh, you have a question here about, uh, which I think leads right into this. Uh, kind of, what do you think about, you know, FUD from public? Right. Yes, go ahead, my Ben. Fa- my favorite guy on DeFi, man, Elon. And like all these types, right? Like they, they fud like BTC, and then it trickles to Matic, and you're like, "What does Matic have to do with BTC?" What, what do you think about all these things? Uh, all these like public um, declarations, if you will. I think we're the sixth ban yeah. from China now. I mean, it's sort of like all these things. Like the last thing, true death is irrelevance, and so like you know, someone influential saying how awesome it is is great but like someone super influential like talking about it even if negative isn't really that bad you know like a lot of times like communities are pretty anti-fragile as organizations and so when you have someone that's like like shaming the project or the community a lot of times those can be like unifying like the reaction to that can be unifying and kind of align the community to actually accomplish better things um so like i don't know like the holy um i was like i'm not mad at him over that like i'm kind of excited that's the topic of conversation um mm-hmm. and it gives a lot of people that maybe it was like their fourth or seventh or third favorite hobby to like they pay more attention to it right and maybe they like develop some like like they get in some discussions and that kind of leads them down a rabbit hole and so like i i think like i don't know it's, it's all it's all good in the long run um unless there's like a consensus to like ban crypto at like a, right like, uh, hopefully not that that's bad but yeah. um <laughs> but uh like the controversies like um it's fine like definitely like some of the stuff like read about like internet of beefs and like how those kind of work and how those like drive reputational or drive awareness of like concepts and people and repu- like i don't know it's all cool and most of the time all the chaos is good but- i like i like that perspective that's a really nice perspective it's like yeah like uh, we're just bringing bringing awareness. Any any publicity is good publicity at the end of the day, right? It's uh, yeah. Seeing your name out there. Yeah, when, yeah. when your when your Uber driver is talking about you know Bitcoin and and Doge and all that kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure you've had some of those. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, whatever. That's this. Maybe it's fun for him. I don't know. Um, probably not a. <laughs> great long-term play but uh 
yeah, like, I don't know, is like, like in 2018, is people saying that like the fake stats from Tron, like people thought Tron would be like an Ethereum killer and they were pointing to all these like spam, spam accounts on Tron games as evidence. And it's like, did that motivate me a little bit to want to start DeFi polls? Yeah, probably. You know, and I think, I think a lot of people are kind of like that, you know, like if there's a problem, like you're kind of drawn to fix it. And some people are drawn to build things to fix problems. And so like someone pointing out problems, whether Drew, like whether they're like super serious problems or like not that serious problems, it's, it's like motivating to, to get people in the community to build stuff to actually fix them. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Now let's get into Let's let's get into something uh, juicy, and we want your honest honest opinion, honest feedback. I know we've chatted with you uh, before about it, but thoughts thoughts on Cheetow, and then also just stable coins in general in the DeFi space. Yeah, so I think I I, I think because like obviously uh, Cheetow is it's maker ish, um, and so I definitely think that you can exist um there's there's kind of like two ways to exist you can kind of be like kind of the cockroach going where maker is ignoring which is like a niche um but i think one of the things that any project that starts off as a fork has to find is they have to find differentiation to create like a unique value prop for some part of the market um and I, I think that's there, there's for projects to kind of start with a completely fresh idea. They have the drawback of, they don't know if anyone actually wants the thing they want to build, but for projects that are forks, you already have the validation that people want this, but you have to compete by like doing something different. And I, I think like, if you look at like kind of all the ways that sushi swap um, has attracted liquidity and volume, and kind of pursued a different multi-chain strategy, you know, using them carve out unique spots in the market. And I, I think uh, GDAO kind of has to pursue a similar, uh, a, a similar approach. You know, for bootstrapping, it's it's fine to be the same as someone else, but then the roadmap has to like, it needs to, uh, there has to be sort of like a vision for differentiation. Right. Um, which is like a hard transition to make for any project. Um, but, you know, some do it quite well. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something we, we talk internally and also with our community that um, are great at talking with us and some great dialogue happening on our Discord So uh, of how we move forward. We have a couple of cool ideas. Um, so hopefully you guys, uh, you know, keep in tune. Because some some pretty cool things hopefully happening soon. Yeah, and like and like uh, the the smaller projects, like when you're the smaller projects do have like advantages over the, they the super the large incumbents. Like they're they're always going to be focused on like the meat of like their market, and they're going to have to move slowly because um, their production standards. Or probably be super high, like like if you're in lending, right? 
the big lending protocols are looking at how to like basically bridge to like institutional money and the real economy into their protocols. It's like one thing they want. Um, so they're going to have to move slowly so they can maintain those like high, the like would like bank of America put their money in here type of standards. Cause that's probably where they want to, they, they want that money in at some point. Um, right. And so you have to like, like reasonably bootstrap things can be more nimble. And so you have to use that like extra, that, that advantage and how quick you are to like seize on market opportunities faster that like kind of the big ships can't adjust to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think we have a cool question here from ETH goals. I don't know if you can see, um, what do you think about that? Um, It's kind of like, is multi-chain differentiation enough? Um, or does it need to be more product differentiation, I think? And maybe, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I I expect, like, like I'm not sure exactly what MakerDAO's multi-chain strategy is right now. I know getting die out to the world is obviously important to them. Um, but, like, I would say when you're small, you can do lots of experiments. And right. so like, um, it's, I think a lot of times one thing that's not always apparent is how user focused and like user adaptive, like uh small, any project, but particularly bootstrap projects. And it's really like, like, why, if people are using Mematic now, like, why are you using it? Like, what was your motivation to use it? Did it solve your problem exactly? Or would like, or what, what was your problem? And if it was solving like some of the problem, but not all the problem, like, is there a protocol that would solve all the problem? And should that be like 2.0 or like 1.1.1? And so like, what, what are the big potential users in the space? And what do they want? And it's a big difference between imagining what people want or building what you think would be cool to build and actually like talking to your existing users or potential future users and really understanding those problems so you can design and build with those problems in mind. And like, it's like, I'm like, you know, I, I, I don't know what the, 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 I don't know how the value props of, existing stable coins are solving the problems for stable coin users. I mean, I know my own usage, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, like what, like solve things will be perfect for like one class of users. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there has been a lot of, uh, a lot of different noise around stable coins in Polygon recently. Um, I know you kind of dipped your hands in some of those as, or, as well, or kind of just done some research into those. Um, I guess like thoughts or thoughts or um, you know after this last last week on on where the stable coin um, like where the stable coin kind of trend is is heading. Uh, I know that we have one question here. Saw you were in uh, saw you were in Malt with them. Um, I think that's a stable quarter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let me see. No comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a rough, uh, rough 20, first 24 hours for a project. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I guess, I guess, I mean, in terms of, in terms of stable coin and stable coin trends, is there, are there things that, that you would, uh, you know, you would advise against or, you know, things that, uh, you know, stable coin protocols should kind of keep in mind when they're, you know, when they're pushing it out or. Uh, I mean, it seems like zero collateralized stable coins don't work. Um, I would say that a lot of Ethereum projects have proven that and probably more projects are going to prove it in the future on different chains. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It definitely seems like on Polygon kind of USDC, um, is kind of becoming the center of liquidity. Um, and so kind of like building a value prop that's like, understands that that kind of USDC USDC is turning into the polygon stable uh polygon showing point is probably pretty important um but yeah it's really just like yeah it's really just finding like finding users that have problems and then like figuring out if like key cheat out can solve them you know or like mm -hmm. what problems are you having that aren't being solved by MakerDAO, like our Polygon native projects that have S in their treasury or Matic in their treasury, you know, it, it probably don't want to bridge them over to Ethereum to borrow DAI, right? And so like, who are they? What do they really want? And like, how can the future versions kind of be designed to like fit very nicely? Um, You know, cause like if you have a, you know, like Ave has been doing like amazing um, um yeah. so far, but you know, Ave is also like you know they have constraints um, on their protocol and like uh, and kind of like who they want their users like they're not solving like they're solving problems for a broad swath of users, but they're really focused on like kind of their their core user groups they're trying to build for, and so that's not going they're not they're not going to try to build the perfect solution for everyone. Like if I launch Scott coin tomorrow, Avi's probably not going to list me, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, whole process. Yeah. And because like if, if Scott coin went to zero, it might threaten the liquidity of their whole protocol or the solvency mm -hmm. of their whole protocol. And so that's a risk there. They wouldn't want for their users. And so figuring out, yeah, just kind of like, you know, it's just hard work to like talk to people and figure out what solves problems. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I know we've kept you beyond the uh, the time that we we promised, but uh, if you've got a few more minutes, we just uh, like we got a few questions to wrap it up. And uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, perfect. Um, so one one of these questions is: What can the community do to help Slingshot and or DeFi Pulse? You know, do you have an ask for them? I mean. Tell us, I mean, if you use it, tell us how Slingshot can solve your problem better, you know? Like, I mean, I, like we're trying to build stuff. And so it's more like, you know, 
like for, for Splinkstone in particular, because it's like really polygon focused. Um, like, I, I I hope it just like makes your life easier and your prices better. Um, and if there's like something you wish it did that it didn't, like please reach out to the team and tell them. Um, if there's like a feature that that you think would be awesome, like tell us. You know, because like Slingshot has a very like user user like focusing on like what the users need to like build the best product. Um, and yeah, we're just trying like super hard. Um, and yeah, just like try it. And if like it makes makes your life easier and better, use it. If it doesn't, tell us why. And I'll tell you why on Discord. Telegram. I don't know. Tell the Slingshot team why on Discord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not you. you. <laughs> exactly. DM Clinton. Direct. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, I think we have a feedback channel and then, but yeah, you got to just DM anybody on the team too. All right. Perfect. perfect. And um, then, yeah, Ben, round it up. Yeah, out. I just wanted to hear from you. Um, who do you want to hear from next uh, in one of these cheat out chats? We have Barnbridge coming up on Wednesday. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, I would like to hear from Michael from Curve. Um, and specifically, like, well, one thing I'd be really interested in is like Curve V2 is like really different, really innovative. Um, and I would just like love to learn more about how he sees like Curve Mainnet versus Curve Polygon. Um, yeah, I think, I think that'd be fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. And also just like new projects that are like doing innovative things on Polygon in general, like, the design space on Polygon is much bigger uh, because the gas cost is so much lower. You can put more logic into a transaction uh, from like a solidity side. And so like what I probably like just want to learn most is like, how are people using that um, in new ways? Um, Cause it's like designing for mainnet Ethereum. It has to keep like so simple um, and you have a little bit less of that constraint on Polygon. Uh, awesome. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll make sure to tag them. We'll we'll tag you in that tweet, making sure that uh, you know he answers. Um, no, but Scott, it was it was lovely to have you. It's always a pleasure to chat. Uh, again, yeah, thank you for being a great part of the community, the DeFi community. The yeah, I know you're part of the the cheat out community as well now. Uh, really appreciate all your input. Thank you for your time. Yeah, uh, thanks, y'all. Had fun. <laughs> awesome. Alrighty, guys. We'll we'll see you again on Wednesday uh, for Barnbridge. Hopefully, All Scott, right. you, you can tune into that one. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. All right. See y'all soon. Hey, y'all.